Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord and praise his name each day proclaiming the good news that he saves. Amen. It's here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Come on. Our God is lying, lying of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is laying, the lamb that was slain for the sin of the his blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before him. Ooh. Who can stop us? Who can stop the Lord? Sing with me. Who can stop? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? God, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Come on, sing it in. Who can stop? Who can stop the Lord? There's no one. Who can stop the Lord? Who can stop the Lord
I'm excited you guys are here tonight to worship him. Uh, this next song that we're going to do, uh, I just love a line. There's a line in this song. It says that uh, the enemy will run. I think that's just a cool line, and I can't wait to sing it with you guys. You know, worship can accomplish a lot of things, but what I've been thinking about lately is one of the greatest weapons against the darkness of this world is the worship of the one who's overcome it. And so my hope for you guys, man, and through this song is that when we sing this, man, that the devil is going to run at the praise of his people, at the praise of Jesus, amen. You are unfailing. 
So we can trust you, Lord. Yes, we trust you. We trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. So we trust you. We trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. Sing that with me. We can trust you. So we trust you in all things. We trust you. Yes, your ways are higher than our own. Above our circumstance, Lord, we trust you. Jesus, we trust you. God, your ways are higher than our own. Because this we know we will see the enemy run. And this we know we will see the victory come. And we hold on to every promise you ever Jesus, you are unfair. Sing it again. This we know. Come on. Because this we know. We will see the enemy run. And this we know. We will see the victory come. And we hold on to every promise you ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. You're unfailing. Yes, Jesus, you are unfailing. Yes, you are. So we can trust you. So we trust you. Sing it, come on. We trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. Yes, we trust you. Come on. We trust you. again we trust you so we trust you God we trust you so your ways are higher than our own in all things we trust you we trust you your ways are higher than our own God we can trust you your word, Lord, says that even when we are faithless, you remain faithful, for you can't deny yourself. So, God, we, we lift up our trust. We, look, we lift up our eyes and our hope, Lord, and we, we place it in you. God, I pray that, that you would move in a mighty way tonight, God. I pray that you would reveal yourself through the scriptures. That, God, you would change us for the better. God, we praise you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. What's up, guys? Appreciate you guys coming out. We're going to continue our series, uh, a series about rhythms. Rhythms in our lives that we set up. Last month we talked about the rhythm of prayer. That we establish habits and 
routines and rhythms of, of praying throughout our day, of praying and throughout moments in our life, throwing up short prayers, but also setting apart time of praying in your daily life. And we talked about different styles of praying and different um, aspects. And we talked about adoration, where we adore God. We tell God who He is. And I know that may sound strange, but most of the Psalms is, a, is about us reminding ourselves who God is by telling Him who He is. And so we talked about adoration, and we talked about uh, confession, about us confessing that we realize that we're a terrible sinner in need of a great Savior. And we do that by confessing our sins, not in front of a judge who's sitting down a verdict, but sitting down on the couch with our Father saying, here's what I'm going through, here's what I'm struggling with. And we talked about thanksgiving, and just thanking God for all the blessings he gives us. And then supplication, and all that means is just asking God for things. And there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. God cares about our smallest needs and desires. And tonight, we're going to take a step in the next rhythm, and that's the rhythm of fellowship, or the rhythm of community. And when you hear the word fellowship, that, bio, that term is actually in the Bible, it's this Greek word called koinonia. Uh, one of our very own, Andrew Cubbage, he, uh, he has a CrossFit gym named CrossFit Koinonia. And he's built it around this word, and what this word koinonia means is partnership or sharing. And so tonight when we talk about the rhythm of fellowship, it means to have a rhythm of sharing life together with other believers, of doing life together. See, the rhythm of fellowship is the habit of gathering together, welcoming others into our lives, and genuinely caring for each other. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about why and the how and the what, but first I want to talk about why we need to establish this rhythm. Why is this rhythm so important in our lives? And first, it's because fellowship and community is what you were designed for. You're made in the image of God, and God in himself is a community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God in himself is a community, so when he makes you, he designed you to be in community. You've heard me say this before, but he created everything, and he said, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he looked at Adam alone, by himself, said, it's not good. Now, if I'm Adam, I'm like, I'm in paradise, this is great, me and God. God said, this isn't good. You can't have community. You need community and fellowship. It's what you were designed. You see, God didn't design discipleship or for you to grow individually. He designed it to happen in a group. See, if you don't have fellowship and community, it's really hard to keep that fire, to keep growing towards Christ. Living in a community is the way you were intended to live. And here's what you got to understand. When God has created you to live a certain way, and you do that, you find satisfaction, you find purpose, right? If I was to go home and my grandma was serving, was eating pizza off her iPad, she's not using that the way it was intended to use, right? And when you're not living in community, when you isolate yourself, you're not living the way God created you to live. And so you're not going to find satisfaction, you're not going to find purpose. Not only were you designed for it, but it protects you. Now, I don't know a lot about Satan and his plans, but I know every single one of you, he has a strategy for you. He has a list of things of how he wants to destroy you. And for each of us, that could be looked differently. He has ways he wants to destroy you, but of all, everybody's list has one thing in common. He wants to isolate you. That's his plan for you. He can't really start hitting you until he isolates you. 
I have a weird habit of watching YouTube videos of lions hunt. Don't judge me. They're, you ever watch lions hunt? They don't hunt a pack. They separate one and then hunt. And I've got a picture of what it looks like to live in isolation. You're done, right? Like you're isolated. He's coming. And so t- for protection, you need other believers. You need people around you who are going to encourage you. You have to have it. This is the way God intended it. You remember King David, before he committed adultery and murder, he isolated himself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, sin demands to have a man by himself. Most of the sin comes into our life when we isolate ourselves. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. To isolate yourself, to do life alone, goes against all sound judgment judgment. Don't judge me, but last weekend I had a Harry Potter movie marathon, and uh, I was watching, I don't know which movie it was, but uh, if you know anything about the story, you know Harry Potter, he came across the Dark Lord, is what they call him, don't judge me, he's fighting the Dark Lord, and, but he, no one saw this first battle that they had, and so no one believes him, and so everyone kind of turns against him, and there's this one kind of flighty girl that goes to school with him, and he has a conversation with her, and she says, listen, I believe you. And he, she said this, she said, but I'm pretty sure this is his plan for you, the Dark Lord. He wants you to feel like you're alone, because if you feel like you're alone, you're not much of a problem for him. So not only does community and fellowship protect us, but it, it allows us to grow stronger. See, by yourself, you can't do much. The Bible says one can't fight off many people, but you get two or three together standing back to back in a battle, they can fight off numerous people. You need people to have your back. So tonight you're going to hear the word community a lot. And when I talk about community, what I mean is doing life with God's people. Community is a group of people who are committed to one another and to making each other more like Christ. It means authentic relationships that lead to spiritual transformation. I want you to understand this. There's a big difference between God's community and just a other community, right? You can go to Andrew's gym tomorrow and find community, right? CrossFit people love to talk about CrossFit, right? That's what they do, right? It's like a cult, right? But at the end of the day, it's like a club. It's a workout place, right? It doesn't affect how you date. It doesn't affect your marriage, Right? It affects your body weight. It affects a few things, but it doesn't affect the way you live. See, Christian community affects everything. It affects how you talk, how you see things, how you deal with other people. It affects every part of life. And so there's a big difference between the two. So tonight we're going to be in Hebrews 10. We're going to read a few verses. And I want you to see the community in these verses. I want you to see the fellowship in these verses. It will be on the screen. It says Hebrews 10, 19. It says, therefore, brothers, this term is brothers and sisters, this term is family. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but we're family when we're in the body of Christ. It says, since we, it's a group term, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now, I'm always, <laughs> I always get a little hesitant reading verses about the blood, because if you've never been to church before, that's weird, right? Just be honest, right? We're talking about the Holy Ghost flying around, blood, that will weird people out. What this means is we have confidence to come into God's presence because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
Because he died for us and there was blood shed there, now we have confidence to come into the Most High. You don't have to fear death. Now you are going to stand in front of the most terrifying force in the universe. But you don't have to fear that moment because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. And then it says, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. This is referring to the temple of God that was built in Jerusalem. It had this veil that was about 60 feet tall, and it was as thick as a phone book. The moment Jesus died on the cross, that veil was ripped from top to bottom so that now anybody can enter into the, the presence of God. And it says that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We're going to walk through a couple statements in these verses, but the, as I want you to see, this is all done in a group. Let us, we, us. The first thing you see from this is let us. Draw near to God. You want to grow closer to God, you can't do it by yourself. I stole this from a preacher one time, but he said, you can't grow in rows. If you come to church once, twice, three times a month, and you sit in a pew, and you listen to a 30-minute sermon, it's hard to grow. But you get in a circle. In a circle of people, you start realizing everybody else is just as messed up as you are, right? You get encouragement from them. You start walking through life with them. You start to grow closer to God. So it says, let us draw near to God. And I want you to hear this. The very best version of you exists in community of believers. That's what we all want, right? We all want the very best version of us, right? I want Matt 2.0, right? I'm ready for the upgrade. I want to get better every year. The very best version of me is found in community. The very best version of you is found in in community. The Bible says, let us draw near to God. And I've been studying that term for about a week, and I don't know if I have a clear answer of what it means to draw near to God, but I understand this. It's a heart attitude. It's a lifestyle. It's a posture of living that every day I'm going to seek to grow closer to God. I'm going to live my life for God. And really what it comes down to is a trust thing. The people that draw near to God give them his, their his un, their trust. I'm going to trust you no matter what. I'm going to draw near to you. I'm going to trust you with the small things. I'm going to trust you with the big things. It's a desire to seek God, and it's just a way you live. It's a lifestyle. Some days you might not know what you're doing, but God will bless if you put the effort to draw near to him. Look what it says in James 4.8. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Psalm 73 says, but for me, it is good to be near to God, the best version of you is the one who is near to God. And the best version of you is done is when you grow close to God in community. So we draw near to God as a group. I spent from about age 20 to about 30 isolated. Had a secular job. I worked every Sunday. I listened to a lot of preachers online, listen to a lot of worship music. I'll be honest with you, I didn't grow very much. 
I didn't. I had no one pushing me. I didn't work with any Christians. And no one encouraging me. I was pretty negative. I hated my job, and I told everybody about it all the time. Anybody there right now? I didn't grow very much. I look back from 20 to 30 and say, goodness. But about 30, I got into a, a small group. That may sound stupid, but that's what happened. I got into community. And some of those guys in my community started to encourage me and ask me how I was doing, ask me how I was getting in the word. They kept me accountable. And I started to see growth. So I want to encourage you, you can't do this alone. You want to grow closer to God over this next year, you can't do it alone. Number two, let us hold on to hope. This is important here because I think there's going to be times in our life where we just lose hope. Ever had those weeks, maybe even months, you're just hopeless? You're just like, man, I'm just in a dark place right now. I've been there before. But I'm thankful that when I'm there, I can borrow some other people's hope, right? I could sit in a circle be like, you know what? They were there about three months ago. And now look at them. Like they're out of that season. I can borrow some hope from others. I can hear other people's stories. Now when I say hope, I don't mean like you hoped Louisville was going to be Houston, right? You know what I mean? We hope Kentucky is going to make a bowl. Like it actually might happen, but we're really hoping, right? This isn't what I'm talking about. The, the biblical hope means confident expectation. A biblical hope is absolute certainty that God is who he says he is. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And that's what separates us from all other people is we have a hope. We have something we can hold on to. This is why when everybody's going nuts on Facebook right now, right? We're Kermit the Frog drinking the tea because it doesn't matter who the president is. We have hope that's not in him, right? It doesn't matter what's going on because we have this hope no one can understand, right? We have this hope that we can hold on to. And it says, let us hold on to it. You can't hold on to it by yourself. There's going to be times when you lose this hope. You're going to need people to come alongside you. There's two stories in the Bible, and they happen a few hundred years apart. But the first time I went to Israel, I realized that these two stories are connected because they're so close to one another. I went to where Samson grew up and uh, got to sit on this mountain and kind of just look at all the places he went. You can see every town he went to. And then there was this one part of Samson's story where he gets depressed and he goes and hides in a cave. And uh, he doesn't know what to do. He's got no community, no fellowship, nothing. He's sitting depressed in a cave. And his cousins show up from the tribe of Judah and they, they say, hey, man, you're causing all this trouble with us for the Philistines. And they go and turn him in. Now, Samson was the biggest, baddest dude, you know, in the Old Testament. You know what I'm saying? Like, this dude was a man. Like, he had a lot of power that God gave him to use for God's glory. He ended up hopeless in a cave. And he didn't have any community. He actually had the opposite of that. He had his cousins turn him in. After this story, they go to turn him in. He busts loose, kills everybody. Then it says, and Samson was no longer a judge of Israel. Which is interesting because a judge of Israel was a position for life. Samson quit. He was done. You go about... Three miles down the road, there's another cave. Another big, strong, bad dude sat in that cave, hopeless. His name is David. The king was trying to kill him. He lost all community, and he sat in that cave. 
And he writes a psalm and says, where's everybody at? God, are you serious right now? He had lost all hope. The Bible says about 300 men left Jerusalem and came out and encouraged him. And Samson went on, I mean, David went on to do what Samson was supposed to do. He gave God glory. So you have two mighty men of God that had the spirit on. One had community when they were hopeless, and one didn't. And you know how their stories end. Your story is going to go two different ways. You're going to get in these places where you don't have hope, and you're going to need community. And without community, who knows where we'll end up. Number three, let us consider how we may spur one another on. This is interesting. I like this verse. We're supposed to do life together, but we're supposed to spur one another on. Uh, the only reason why I know what a spur looks like is because of the San Antonio spurs. But it's that thing that cowboys put on the back of their boots, right? It's got spikes on it. When you want your horse to go faster, you take that spike and you dig it into the horse. <laughs> and it says, now do that to other people. There's somebody, in it, some people in this room, one in particular, I want to spur him all the time, right? I want to donkey kick that fool, right? Boom, right? I want to spur him on, not in a good way all the time, right? That's what we're called to do. We're called to spur one another on. We're called to, to push people to grow in Christ. But I, This is what I love about that verse. It says, let us consider. That means we have to think about it. It means we have to have people in our life and say, all right, how am I spurring Kyle on to grow closer to God? In, my, in, in our relationship, how am I pushing him closer to God? Because that's our call. It's to make disciples. And what make disciples means is we move people closer to God through our relationship, through our influence. So that guy at work who's really, really far from God, how can you spur him on closer to God? Or that person that just got saved, that they're just now growing, how can you spur them on? But it, it says, let us consider, which means it needs to be on our minds. How can I encourage this person? It means we're thinking about it all the time, of pushing one another closer to God. This is why we need one another. Because if you're by yourself, no one is going to spur you on. Another CrossFit reference. You ever go to a CrossFit gym? They, they finish and they all encourage one another, don't they? Right? I mean, like, I'm too tired to do all that. Like, you finish when you finish, right? But they, like, they encourage one another. Come on, do it, do it. Like, they push one another on. And then spiritually, we just all kind of stand back and watch each other, don't we? It's not my business, right? It's not my business. Your spiritual growth isn't my business. And that's kind of our cultural thing, right? Anytime... You see a celebrity or an athlete win an award. They say, I want to thank my what Savior? My blank Lord and Savior. There's a word in there. What is it? Personal, right? It's me. It's my person. It's personal. Just me and Jesus, right? It's not personal. Austin's walk with God isn't personal. It involves me too. It involves his community. Your walk with God is not personal. It's not just you and Jesus and you just keep it in there. It's not personal. You need to have other people in your life spurring you on. Number four, let us not give up meeting together. What I got from this is it's going to be hard to get together with people. It's going to be a fight. And you're going to want to give up. You're going to want to say, no, nah, I'm good. 
I don't have time for that. I can't make time for that. I don't need that. And he says, don't give up. You hold on to meeting together because there's a lot of people who have stopped meeting together. That's what the Bible says. It says a lot of people have given up meeting together. You hold on to it. In our small group, we meet on Mondays, Monday nights. And we have some, and I get it too. We, get, we catch the Mondays, right? Long day, and I'm not going to group, right? We catch those Mondays. It says don't give up. We need to meet together. We need to worship together because we're a family. I got a picture of my family. This was taken at church in our church directory. Uh, that's my family. I was looking at them today. I'm like, what do I think about my family? My dad's rocking a great mustache his whole life. And my mom, like this is my mom. She don't, she's only got like five pictures ever taken of her. But if you ever put a camera in front of her, she turns her le- neck to the left and looks like a mannequin. Like at all times. So that's my family. And I have a great family. I love my family. The Bible says that when we come into Christ, like, we have this new family. And Jesus has some tough verses that I struggle with. He has some tough teaching on family. One time his mom and brothers show up, and he goes, that's not my mom and brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brothers and sisters. You're like, dang, it's kind of harsh. And some people say, well, that was just Jesus saying, like, you need to love him more than you love your family, which is part of that. But what he was saying is, like, listen, understand when you get saved, we're family. We need to help one another. You need to see those people sitting next to you. we got to start seeing each other as family, as brothers and sisters. And brothers and sisters, we get together. We care about one another. The last one, let us encourage one another. This one's really important to me. My love language, part of my, one of my love languages is, is words of affirmation. It's encouragement. One wise man said, you can live four months on one good compliment. We need to learn to encourage one another. Brian Loritz says this. I want you to hear this quote. God has decided not to give us everything we need directly. Instead, he will only give you some things through others. Therefore, to cut yourselves off from community is to cut yourselves off from God's primary means of provision. Some of y'all are so isolated, you're like, God, are you serious? I'm asking for all these things. You ain't given none of them. I'm here depressed, isolated. God, you're not helping me at all. And the reason why is we've cut off the primary way he wants to encourage us, right? God's not going to send you a text Right? He wants to, but he wants to do it through someone else. But when you isolate yourself and you don't build friendships and community, nobody texting you. Nobody encouraging you because you've cut yourself off from the way God wants to encourage you. So what we've got to do, we've got to get in community and we've got to encourage one another. But here's what I figured out about encouraging one another. You've got to know each other, Right? I mean, I could try, but some of y'all that I don't know very well, I can't encourage you very well, right? Give you the thumbs up, right? But I can't, I can't speak into your life a real encouragement. You've got to know each other. You've got to listen to one another. You've got to build relationships. In order to encourage someone, you've got to be doing life together. You've got to know that they've got a test coming up. You've got to know that they're struggling at their job. Like, you've got to know these details about their life, which means that it's not just showing up. Once a week to church. 
Like we have 1,500 people here today. About 1,470, I don't know anything about. I can't encourage them. I don't know anything about their lives. That's why we need community. All right, so as we close, what does this look like? What does it look like to have this rhythm of fellowship in our life? How do we set this up? The first thing, you need friends. And when I say friends, you need friends that love Jesus, right? I, I classify friends sometimes, and one classification of friends is like drinking buddies, right? These are the guys that if I went to and I have these guys in my life that I, you know, I used to work with, and these are, these are my boys, but if I go to them, I'm like, man, my wife's getting on my nerves. They're like, just leave her, man, right? <laughs> like me and her are really struggling. I'm like, just leave her, right? Those ain't friends. I don't care about my marriage. Right? I love those dudes, but those ain't friends. And when I'm talking about friends, I'm talking about friends that love God. Like, you've got to have friends. Now, this is hard because we're terrible at friendship. I just want to be honest. Like, we're not good at it. We're not good at building good friendships. And one of the reasons why is because it's awkward. Right? Guys, we struggle with this a lot. Like, I think girls struggle with this as well. It's awkward to kind of start a friendship at the age of 34, isn't it? Right? Somebody in this room, I text like every other day, and I text, you good? Question mark. Finally, he kept saying, yes, I'm good. What do you keep texting me that for? But I'm saying, no, I'm trying to see what you're doing. I'm trying to check on you, right? This is, this is how you build a friendship, is you text one another. You call and have awkward conversations, right? I have those all the time, right? I call people, and they're like, hey, what do you want? I'm just calling. That's what we do, right? We check on one another. We encourage one another. Some of y'all are like, I ain't doing that. And you, and you got no friends, right? You got no friends because you're not willing to, like, push through that. And because of that, you're cutting yourself off from the main provision of God. So we've got to develop friendships. We've got to develop authentic relationships where you have a relationship with someone who knows you. To be 99% known by someone is to be completely unknown. you got to find someone that you can just be known by. That they're not going to judge you, but here is who I am, right? And you can go to with your issues. We have to be authentic. We have to find friends. You need to find a community of people that meet regularly, right? You need to make this a priority in your life. If you don't have one, Thursday night will be in the attic. Not this Thursday, Thanksgiving. Next Thursday, in the attic, 6.30. We're here every week, except next week. We'll be there, right? We get through this. You need community. You need to find a group of people. And I know some of y'all are looking for that, and it's hard to find a group, and you've got struggles with time commitments, but you have to find a group of people to get together. Even if it's like, hey, we just need, there's a couple that we know, there's somebody I know, I just need to go hang out with them you got to make this a priority in your life. And some people are saying, I'm just too busy for all that. What? You're too busy for all that? You watched six hours of TV last night. Right? But you don't have time for community. Right? It's all priorities. We've got to make it a priority in our, in our life. So our example of this is Jesus. As we close, the band can come back up. Like Jesus, we exist for relationships. Jesus was the, the most fully alive human to ever live. So it shouldn't surprise you that Jesus always had a community. 
only time Jesus was ever alone was when he was praying. Only time that we know that's documented that he was ever alone was in the morning when he would go up on a mountain and pray. The rest of the time, Jesus was surrounded by people. Jesus could have been an introvert. But the definition of an introvert is someone who needs to go off by themselves to get refueled to come back into community, right? The definition of an introvert is not somebody who just don't like being around people, right? That's how God made me. I don't like people, right? That's not an introvert. An introvert is just someone who needs to get alone to get their cup filled up to go back into community. Jesus was always surrounded by people. One thing he did well was he ate with people. It's a great way to get community. To have meals with people. I'm terrible about this, but I come home, me and my wife eat, and I got the remote like this, right? She's trying to talk to me. I'm like, I'm watching the game, right? Eating my burger. Sometimes she'll, we'll sit at the table, though. We'll sit at the table and we'll, we'll hear about each other's day, right? We'll be able to encourage one another. You need to have meals with people. Another thing Jesus did, he lived on mission with people. Everything he did, he did with somebody. Never went alone. You need to have people that you can call. Say, man, I just need to come over and hang out tonight. I had a rough day. I need, some, I need someone just to talk to. I need someone to listen to me. And the last thing Jesus did was he invited people into every area of his life. He was always saying, come. Come hang out. So tonight, I hope that you're encouraged to establish this rhythm. You can't grow without it. You're not going to be encouraged without it. You need this in your life desperately. And if you're isolated right now, then you are exactly where Satan wants you. Exactly. And he's going to begin to start picking you apart. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you gave us this example. Lord, we thank you for the people in our lives that you've given us to encourage us, to spur us on. Lord, now give us the strength to build great friendships. Give us the strength to, to seek out community. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing that with me again, my hope. My hope is built on nothing less. Believe it, church. In Jesus' blood and righteousness, I 
Take it up. sang that verse before and I don't know why we like we like sing it like really soft and low like man when he comes that's gonna be awesome you know what I mean let's uh let's try that again uh, let's do it with all we got okay Come on, church. Christ. 
up here I and mean, we get the best perspective I think of anyone to be able to look out and see this community of believers man and I, I have to fight back tears every time we worship together and, um, just look forward to it every month and I wish we could do it more than that um, so Matt's talked a lot about community fellowship friendship and um, you know we, we talked about it before you guys got here and we prayed um, over you all Spirit is working to knit together, and uh, and it's a beautiful thing. And and part of part of what the Lord calls us to do when we're in community and we're in that fellowship is to pray together and to worship Him in song. And and that's what we're doing tonight as we learn about Him. Um, we're gonna do a newer song, and some of you may know it, some of you don't. Um, I have a scripture to share, but you know I'm kind of going a different direction. Scripture's always good, right? We'll see it anyway. Isaiah 26, 8 writes, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you. For your name and your renown are the desire of our souls. And so I hope tonight that's just our prayer together as we join and we sing and we worship. And, um, and so in this new song we're going to sing, and if you want to just, in the beginning, maybe just close your eyes as we meditate on these words and and really pray them as a community of believers together because it's one thing to sing them on our own and in our car and as we get ready for work or whatever we're doing but to come together collectively is a whole different thing and so I hope that you know as we finish up tonight we've got a little bit left but we just relish in that time that we have to come together collectively because it's special and it's special that that we're a generation together that can come together and the Lord is growing and he's moving us and I think we all can see that I think we know that um, there's something special about this generation the Lord is going to do big things with us with you guys so I see here and the emotions it's not good but um but join with us maybe embrace this new song and um and just pray this prayer together Take us back 
Cause where there is no way you may go away Yes you do Where no one else can reach us You find us where there is no way you make a way yes you do Lord where no one else can reach us come on you find us where there is no way you make a way yes you do Lord where no one else can reach us you find us where there is no way you make a way where no one else can reach us. Come on, brilliant. You find us where there is no way you made a way. Where no one else can reach us. You find us where there is no way you make a way. Where no one else can reach us. You find church where no one else can reach us you find us and where there is no way you make a way where no one else can reach us you find us God we believe it that you will make a way in the midst of our circumstances and trials and what life brings us, you will make a way. And one of those ways could be through community. And so, God, let us um, take what you shared with us tonight, Lord, and let us apply it to our lives, Lord. We thank you. You're so awesome. Amen.